I feel like with the amount of pressure around, oh, this team is the team this year. They are the most dominant number one team. I feel actually a lot of pressure to like, <laughs> we have to win and beat <laughs> Alabama for the first time since 2007. Like we, if we don't beat Bama, like that is what, you, I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to be like, oh, get rid of Kirby, get rid of Kirby, get rid of Kirby. Thomas Jackson, beautiful podcast from Denver. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hummus Tailgate Party. I'm your host, Thomas Jackson. On today's championship weekend edition of uh, Hummus Tailgate Party, we're going to be interviewing Garrett Bulldog, our very first guest coming back on the show. As promised before week one, since Bam and Georgia are facing off in the SEC championship, uh, Garrett is a lifelong Bulldogs fan, and he's going to come on to uh, talk to me a little bit about the, about the matchup and uh, get his thoughts and predictions on the game. Other than that, we're going to be looking at all the other uh, conference championship games, talking about the college football playoff rankings that just released on Tuesday night, and some possible playoff scenarios depending on the different outcomes of games that are happening on this upcoming Saturday. So we're going to hit the ground running on this one, and Garrett is coming up right now. Yo. All right. Back where we started, week one. <laughs> coming at you from the closet again. Well, we both expected uh, it to be Bama and Georgia. Can you hear me okay and everything? Yeah, I can hear you. All right. I got you good, too. We both expected it to be Bama and Georgia. Uh playing in Atlanta at the SEC championship. I don't think I can only speak for myself. I wasn't expecting Bama to be the dogs in the game, but here we are. Congrats on the SEC championship since I guess everyone's decided that y'all have already won the thing. So my hat's <laughs> off to you. <laughs> yeah, dude, seriously. No, that that's, I, yeah, I kind of like was making a little uh, Google doc about it because I feel like um there is like a pretty big perception right now like people are people are like oh georgia's georgia's a shoo-in you know like they're they're good not just for this game for the whole thing I mean, oh yeah oh yeah no <laughs> ever i mean it, it really has been a long time since i mean i don't know i mean maybe an alabama team like a couple years ago like our amazing team my senior year that got throttled by Clemson. So you just like, you never know, but there's usually yeah. at least like one or two of the other, like usual players, whether it be like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, Oklahoma, you know, whatever kind of up there lingering. But this year it's really like Georgia has been the only consistent thing. And like everybody else has just been so weird. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a pretty new perspective. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know It's a pretty it new is. perspective. Um, no, I, I, I mean, shit, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's been awesome, but it's, it's been, I don't know if you listen, uh, I, I like, I started listening to him pretty late last year, but, uh, Josh Pate does like the two, four, seven, uh, he does like a podcast for like two, four, seven sports. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he's been calling it like the Renaissance season. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it kind of sticks. Cause yeah, there have definitely been people, people like look back to like 2007 and other seasons where like, there was a lot of chaos towards the end, but I feel like this year is definitely one of those that, kind of the usual contenders like I remember literally week one you know I predicted Clemson to beat us and here we are with Clemson unranked and so it's like yeah the the season is you know I think what a lot of people predicted or what a lot of people thought were, was going to happen hasn't and yeah man it's been pretty unusual to see even like I feel like mainly because of the last few weeks I feel like people ha don't have faith in Bama you know they don't have faith that like oh they struggled against Auburn in overtime like they're you know they're they're total dogs and so people yeah people don't have faith in them but um and I think too, like I thought Ohio State was really the only other team that was like had a really good offense. Before so last after... week, I did too. <laughs> I mean, I thought yeah. after the Michigan State game, it looked like okay, if it's anyone but Georgia and Ohio State playing in the finals, it would be kind of surprising. Yeah. But you know, that's been and so been uh, how it's been. For the for the play, like I think it would be pretty crazy too if 
say say Georgia wins out, you know, if the playoff is literally Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and like OK State or some somebody, it would just be ridiculous. Like, and that's what's most likely to happen because those yeah. are the four favorites, and like <laughs> kind of before and after, or I guess just after on the podcast this interview i'm talking about like mostly those games since those are like the four games that are yeah. that have playoff implications since like the pac 12 and the acc have played themselves out of it exactly. but um <clears throat> and then i'm gonna like talk about different playoff scenarios and everything um and yeah, like that's the most likely scenario to happen because all of those teams are the favorites. And I think all of them, I've got the lines right here. So Georgia's a, I'm seeing like six, six and a half point favorite over Bama. Yeah, Oklahoma State's though. right there at like five and a half over Baylor. And then Cincinnati and Michigan are both like 10 point favorites. So yeah. none of those spreads are like, terribly small even so i mean all these favorites are like decent favorites at least yeah. um and you know pretty pretty hefty in michigan and cincinnati's case but yeah it's i mean that's it's so bizarre like before the season when we were talking it's like i think we kind of agreed that there were five or six teams that were kind of the title contenders and right. granted one of them looks like the kind of lone title contender right now in all season, but you know, between Georgia, Bama, Clemson, Ohio state, Oklahoma, I feel like there's one, maybe I was forgetting about, but you know, out of those like Texas A&M even was kind of like, a and was kind of fringe. Yeah, yeah. They, they definitely had high hopes, but um, yeah, I mean, out of those, at least just five teams or uh, maybe Oregon, I don't know, uh, yeah. but you know, there's, there's definitely those five that we that we've seen up at the top year in year out. Um, it's bizarre that you know it's likely that only one will get in out of the five, but Which is you know crazy. it's what everybody yeah. wanted. Everyone's tired of Bama Clemson, so you know we'll see Here if we are. we'll see if Georgia kicking the shit out of Cincinnati in the national championship <laughs> games any more entertaining than that. But. Oh my god! Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, you know, Georgia's been so steady all year. And I mean, it's, you know, I feel like we're just in like each other's shoes right now. Like it's it's as weird as it is for you to be flying this high into this game. It's kind of weird for me. You know, we haven't been an underdog since 2015 when we were an underdog at Athens. Uh, that yeah. was after Ole Miss beat us for the second time in a row and the dynasty was declared dead and all that fun jazz. But yeah. I think Bama was like a three-point underdog, and we won that game pretty easily. But it's been six years, the last time that we were the the betting betting underdog. So, right. and I think kind of funny we can mention it in the podcast, but I think that was the catalyst for Kirby Smart, like getting for Mark Rick getting fired. That was kind of the game where after we got our butts kicked by y'all in 2015, they were like, "All right, cut the leash on Mark Rick and picked up Kirby." Yeah. Cause it like, you know, like a couple of the previous ones between the two of our teams were kind of close classic battles and stuff, but that one was, that one was just, uh, it was pretty ugly from, from the get go, but oh yeah, Georgia's been flying high all season, Bama, um, you know, is kind of not kind of, I mean, literally <laughs> limping into this game. We might only have one scholarship running back in our backfield because, <laughs> Brian Robinson pulled yeah. a muscle in his leg there at the end of the Auburn game. So right now, Trey Sanders, who is actually a recruit that we flipped from Georgia, is looking yeah. like the uh, possibly the only scholarship running back. So that's uh, only slightly horrifying against that defensive line for the dogs. Yeah. Um, couple of notes I had, just kind of general fun facts and stuff. And then I'll ask you some questions about the dogs and kind of what you're expecting but for as good as Georgia's been like year in year out the past well you know Kirby era this is only their second playoff appearance um and their first uh they're going for their first SEC title since 2017 and only their second SEC title if they win since 2005 which is hard yeah. to believe because ever since then 
I mean, besides Bama, Georgia's probably been the most consistent team in the L- in the SEC. I guess LSU maybe too, but yeah. I mean, that's the fact that they've only won one since 05 is kind of shocking. Of course, they would have won a few of them if it weren't for just, you know, yep. being good at the same time as some of these Bama teams, but still. Um, and even that they've only made one playoff, which, you know, I mean, they obviously were that close to winning it then and had that classic game against Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. That was so awesome. But it feels like they're just kind of hanging around every year. And then this just happened to be the year that they didn't lose a random game to like South Carolina that no one saw coming. Like this team was consistent and able to get it done. So even though Georgia has been so good, basically our whole lives, it's, um, you know, they've had a hard time kind of actually they'll get to the door, but hard time busting it down. Uh, Georgia's the first team in college football history to enter the conference championship game, allowing less than seven points per game. They're averaging 6.9 right now. So just, just below it, but they, uh, they still get to claim that. So that is honestly just a stunning, stunning stat that they've been that consistent. Cause usually, you know, when you see these teams with this caliber of a defense, they'll have a couple of weird slip ups where they'll let up you know, 24, 27 points in like one or two games and the offense will have to kind of save them. But that never, you know, really even happened. I don't know. What's the, you know, off the top of your head, the most amount of points you all have allowed in one game? Yeah, it was to Tennessee. Uh, We gave up 17. 17. Yeah. We like, we gave up the last touchdown, I want to say, in the last minute of the game. Garbage time. Yeah. yeah. That's how it usually goes too. So that's honestly just, that's an unbelievable stat. But, um, yeah, I already mentioned this is the first game since 2015 uh, that Bama's an underdog. And then before, well, again, with all these Georgia teams getting so close over the you know past decade and a half, this, uh, you have to go back to 2007, Saban's very first year when Georgia beat Alabama. So even though the dogs can afford a loss and it like they would still get in the playoff 100%, there's still it feels like Georgia's just kind of got a monkey to get off their back. And if they can get through this one, then they're going to go into the playoff with all the confidence and momentum in the world. You know, even if they lose it, they're still probably going to be the favorite to win the title. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot at stake just kind of, you know, uh, symbolically for Georgia, just to get get a lot of this stuff that's been kind of the boogeyman uh conquered but with all of that we were talking about how alabama was kind of uh limping into this game and a lot of that is because of the offensive line issues that have you know almost seemed like they've just gotten worse as the season goes along especially in the lsu and auburn games uh bama had you know like six rushing yards total in the lsu game and it was probably right around that mark until the fourth quarter in the auburn game So everyone knows about Georgia's defensive line. That's, you know, kind of the main, the main worry other than depth, I guess, for Alabama fans. But my first question for you is what is Georgia's biggest weakness? I realize we might be kind of picking nits here, but if there is one unit or, you know, position where they might be the most vulnerable, where you could imagine Alabama trying to exploit them a little bit, what, what would that be? Cause I don't, cause I honestly don't know. <laughs> right. They're, they're just good everywhere. Yeah. I'd say, um, I think just on the, on the corners, I feel like the DBs are probably an, I won't necessarily say like they are the weakest part of the unit because um, there's actually kind of concerns of like depth at outside linebacker. So like if one of our um, outside linebackers or ends went down, like I'd be a little bit concerned about the depth there, but um, really it's probably the corners and DBs. And I say that because they're the most untested. And I think that's also kind of plays into a little bit of Bama's strength, even though I know this year is not necessarily that you guys don't have the wideouts you had last year. I know Jamison Williams is still a, he's the number one wide receiver in the SEC. And I think um, just that's the area where if Bama is going to beat Georgia, I feel like they're not just going to be running it up the gut. You know, they're going to be trying to trying to spread it out and, 
to me, the danger would definitely be if we're not able to contain Bryce Young and he's able to scramble and find guys open, that would be the biggest thing. My biggest concern is definitely explosive plays in the passing game. Yeah, and that's something he's gotten a lot better at as the season has gone along. He seemed very hesitant to kind of take off when the play would break down and run with the ball early in the year. But as the season has gone along, they've definitely coached him up on that. And he's got some great moves and he's a great runner, um, but it's just not what he really defaults to. Like we were kind of used to seeing with like a Jalen type of quarterback, you know, which that's fine. But I think he's found a better balance. Um, So we'll keep an eye on that, I guess. But what uh, what type of game? As far as, you know, maybe if Georgia wins wins this game, it might just look like every other game y'all have played this year, you know, just kind of suffocate, overpower, and, you know, eventually build yourself a nice little lead that you can coast on. Um, but I'm more curious, what type of game uh, would you imagine it being like if Alabama were to win? And it didn't kind of go like the typical 38 to 10 Georgia win that we've seen them play like basically right. 12 games in a row now. Yeah, <laughs> but, seriously. Like whether it be like uh, higher scoring, lower scoring, like what do you what do you think the that would look so like? So I think it's a game where Georgia number one has a slow start. So if Alabama can get a few three and outs, um, and like I think the biggest thing in really last year's game, because Georgia came out with a lead even against you guys um, in 2020 leading at half. But I feel like last year's game, the offense stalled. And Mm -hmm. so I honestly think that's, that's again, that's just to me, the biggest concern is not even necessarily Georgia's defense, but I want Georgia's offense to be able to uh, kind of control the game. Um, As much as it's like about our defense, I feel like my biggest concern or what I think plays into the Alabama script would be if Alabama's on offense more. So like if Bryce young is dictating the game, if he's able to, like I said, scramble, make big plays and it's a close game late, that would be the biggest concern. Cause you know, everybody can kind of talk crap about, Oh, how Alabama played for the first, you know, 58 minutes against Auburn, but you leave one minute left and you have again, him, him at quarterback. Um, I think that's just what like scares me the most is he had a 97 yard drive last week with less than a minute left. And so I will, I would, yeah, I would to me for Georgia to win, they actually need to win in a dominant fashion because something that's really, um, been just overwhelming as a Georgia fan is these SEC championship games where we've actually we've been the underdog and we've come out with a lead whether it be I think we've had like up to a 17 point lead against you guys it may have been 14 points but something like that in the SEC championship in 2018 and of course the national championship in 2017 you know we were leading but we let you stay in the game and so like that's where we've been hurt by quarterbacks late. And so that would be my biggest concern is um, obviously the, the, the past, which is reminiscent of late comebacks that Bama's made. Um, And then I would say if Bama comes out, you know, slinging it immediately and we're not able to get pressure on the quarterback, that's, that's something I'd be concerned about because being coming from the position of usually being the underdog and playing the number one team, I feel like, when you're playing the number one team, you play up to the competition. And so yeah. I actually think even though Alabama, even though the offensive line, you know, everybody's like, oh, Georgia's going to be looking. Their We've been playing down to it lately. Yeah, so exactly. Maybe, maybe playing a better team will, I don't know, weirdly, weirdly make us play, play kind of above our level. But well, that's just like to me, I, I, I kind of look at it like, OK, with everything that happened last week against Auburn, like. I feel like the Alabama offensive line, there's like, they have to play a better game. They, ha- they literally have to. And yeah. so like, if they don't, me, there's just, there's just, no, and I mean, as, as much as they suffocated us, like Georgia's defense is so much better. So like, <laughs> you know, there's yeah, just, and, it's gonna, they're gonna have to, you know, well, and that's have a revelation, where, find Jesus, something. I don't, I don't know because. Well, and I've coming, coming from, 
following a Georgia team that has always, you know, maybe had one or two losses and been on the outside looking in or close to a playoff, like those one or two losses were usually the adversity that meant, okay, by the end of the season, we're playing our best football. And so that's where I feel like Alabama and some of these really close games, like they, to me, my fear is that they're in the position to come out and play their best game in all phases and be ready for a four quarter game. Say Georgia hasn't played a four quarter game since more or less Clemson. So yeah. for Georgia to still be in the game late in the fourth quarter, I think that's something that could be a concern. Um, also, I will, I'll interrupt to say, and I, and, and this is kind of what I hate the most out of the whole situation that we have here. Hate it more so than us being an underdog. I mean, I kind of like, like being an underdog is like a little bit fun. I can just like play into that for, you know, it's been yeah, a long time, yeah. but uh, I don't like that Georgia doesn't have to win this game because everything right. that you're saying and everything that's happened in the past, it's like, if it got to the fourth quarter and it's like, here comes Bama, they just made it a one score game, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like Georgia is like panicking, like, oh, my God, you know, we have to win this game or else we're not going to make the playoff like that doesn't exist. So I like I feel like where they have stalled, you know, especially the offense in the you know, like third quarters of like the past three or four games that we've played, it's like there was a lot on the line in those games, you know, whether right. it be the SEC the nation you know whatever um they're just they're i feel like they're gonna be able to come out and play looser and if they do get a lead i feel like not just because they're a better team this year than they have been in the past but i feel like they're gonna be able to like just take a deep breath which they haven't been able to do in previous games and just be like hey you know what like whatever happens happens we're going to the playoff either way if we don't get them this time we can get them next time yeah. and like i hate that part of it because like nothing you know we would want nothing more than y'all to be like oh shit they just made it a seven seven point game with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter it's like that like we feed right. on that and like now you know while it would still be I feel like beneficial for the program and Kirby and just certainly the fans to kind of just get over this hump and go into the playoff undefeated. Um, you know, there, it's not like it has been the past like few games, you know, no. so that no, if, if that could only help y'all. I, I agree. The situation is like totally different this year. I guess the one thing that like, even I, and maybe this is just me individually, but like, I feel like with the amount of pressure around, oh, this team is the team this year. They are the most dominant number one team. I feel actually a lot of pressure to like, <laughs> we have to win and beat Alabama for the first time since 2007. Like we, if we don't beat Bama, like that is what, he, I don't know. I'm not saying they're going to be like, oh, get rid of Kirby, but it's like, it's like there you can't I don't know to me some some people might want to beat Alabama as bad as they want to win a national championship or yeah. I feel like almost I, I don't know how to put it but like Georgia beating Bama is the Braves getting over the Dodgers and getting to the World Series like Georgia that's needs, a great comp Georgia needs to beat Bama they need to go through the tide to get there and for this to be their very year like it, you I, know and it and if y'all do it'll make it better if or when you get on top because that's how it was with the Braves like we could have played you know the Cardinals or the Giants who are great teams but getting past the Dodgers after blowing the 3-1 lead to them last it like it definitely made it sweeter and then like playing the Astros with all that's gone on with them instead of playing like the Rays or the White Sox or you know great yeah. ball clubs but yes it it made it sweeter and it's you know it's only right that that uh we're standing in y'all's way on your on your heroic <laughs> campaign yeah but um oh what was i gonna say i just had something for you oh yeah so a uh, little funnier question with the Braves. So everyone said like, oh, you know, no one could believe the Braves actually did it and didn't blow it. I was waiting on them right. to collapse, you know, even 
deep into the game six of the World Series and we clinched the damn thing. But some people have theorized, um, you know, the Braves broke the curse. And I know Atlanta United wanted a couple years ago, but, you know, let's be real. Like it's the yeah. Braves, Falcons, dogs, like the Braves, like finally snapped the curse that's been going on and haunting that city and state for 25 years. Others, not saying names, but not not me, have said, well, maybe the Braves just took the one Georgia championship for the next 25 years and stole the curse for themselves. And maybe now it's back on thoughts. So I, I'm going to have to side with the first perspective because, <laughs> yeah. because to me, to me, I was generally the dog perspective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is no, this is the year for Georgia sports. It's, you know, we can, the UGA men's basketball team needs to fire Tom Crean, but this is the year for Georgia sports. And so I'm, I'm on the belief that like, the, whether it was a curse or not, the Braves snapped it. But I also, too, there was this hilarious ESPN interview, like going into the season, and I forget the woman, but it was um, she was like, I guess, an Atlanta sports broadcaster, somebody who worked for ESPN, and she was like, Georgia will never win. They will like, oh, they they can't win. It is a curse. It is a curse. And so, like having that, having her have said that, like going into the season, I was just like. Who knows? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's like, I don't know. I feel like every, I, I honestly in 2017, man, I was like, that's when everybody was like, Oh, it's like exactly 39 years since Georgia won or whatever. And it's been this exact amount of time. The stars are aligning, you know? And I was like, okay, it's happening. I was at the game. I was like, it's happening. <laughs> and then, and then it didn't happen. Um, and it, yeah, so we'll see, but no, to me, man, like, it's got to be 15 and 0. We got to we got to do this thing on Saturday and uh that's kind of I I feel like as I don't necessarily want to be bullish on the dogs in terms of like I think we're actually going to get Alabama's best game and so I think it's going to be really close. But I think to me if whether it w- the fact that everybody's looking at this team as the national championship team, like the team that win- wins it all, the only the only I guess yeah, team with a actual schedule to go undefeated, you know, Cincinnati barring um, <laughs> everybody, everybody's on the dogs and they're like, Oh, it's been 40 plus years. So I feel like it is like almost in the way the Braves were the national favorite to, you know, beat the Astros. I feel like, I just feel like it's Georgia's year. Um, and who, who knows, maybe I cursed it just now, but um, nonetheless, yeah, man, I, I feel like we got to get it done. And I feel like if it doesn't happen this year, I, I think Kirby Smart's done a better job than Mark Richt and everybody, but like, what, what do you have to do to win it? If you don't win this year, if you don't, yeah. if you don't take advantage of it this year, like, I feel like then people are going to be like, it's never going to happen this know? year. Cause it hasn't only been y'all, but it's also just been like other teams have been, right. you know, a little bit off years with Bama, Ohio state, Oklahoma, just not being quite as good as, you could kind of count on them being on any other given year, but a couple more questions for you. Um, what percentage of the dome do you think will be dogs fans? So when I, when I was there and tw- I feel like it'll be kind of similar to being there for the national championship in 2017. And I, I feel like that was like, it was like 55 to 60 like it was like 55 or 60% dogs and then like 40, 45% Alabama. Like I would have expected a little bit more than that, honestly. Yeah, it, it was close, but I felt like, I don't know. It's hard to, when you have like literally red and crimson, this is true. To me, it's that much harder to tell. So like just in the, the nature of it being like a 50, 50 stadium, I know Bama fans are going to show out. So I don't think it'll be like 70 to 30. I think it could be like 60 to 40, maybe 65 to 35. But we, we, we also just literally filled Bobby Dodd, Georgia tech stadium. I saw like there's, that. there's pictures of it and it's, it was red. <laughs> it looks like when any other sec team plays at Bandy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was great. Um, yeah. <laughs> but dude, to, to ask you a bit, I, I, I'm kind of curious, like, I feel like, um, with Alabama, I feel like everybody's kind of questioned like, Oh, what's, what's the identity of this team? What, what's, you know, where, where's kind of that, um, that like 
next gear of like just locking in the offense. And I feel like I know they've struggled a bit as of late and particularly this month, um, aside from kind of the Arkansas game where they had a pretty dominant offensive performance, Mm -hmm. but I guess, yeah. What do you, what are you looking for from Alabama and what, like, what could this team show on Saturday that they, that maybe like other teams haven't seen or that, what would it take for them to win? Well, I guess to kind of go back to the question that I asked you about, like, what does a win for either team look like? I just don't see how Alabama wins in a game that's like really high scoring. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, you think about like the Auburn and the LSU games, like we won both of those with like, you know, with well, Auburn that got inflated because of overtime but it was still like 10 to 14 points being scored right um you know final in a regulation so i think for bama to win like our defense like you kind of said your offense is going to have to control it if you know best case for georgia and i think for us our defense is going to have to control it you know i mean this is a hard ask against the freaking Georgia defensive line and Jordan Davis. But I mean, I would like to see our offensive line play more consistently than they did in the Auburn game, because eventually we actually, you know, were able to start running the ball a little bit there at the, you know, fourth quarter. Um, It started opening up for us and we started giving Bryce some more time because in the first half, I forget, I saw, you know, they kept flashing the rushing yard stats up there, but like, I think we had three or maybe it was like negative three in the first half or something like that rushing yards. And that just can't happen. And, you know, in the first half, like Bryce's completion percentage for the full game was only like 50%. So it had to have been worse, worse than that in the first half, because he just didn't have time to blink back there before he was getting swarmed. He got sacked seven times and hurried, you know, probably another half dozen at least. And I mean, it's scary because Georgia's defensive line is a lot better than Auburn's. But I mean, we're going to have to just, do you know, get the ball out quick, you know, just establish like some sort, you know, just a tiny little running game, which with one running back, who knows, but you know, if we can just hopefully get on the board sooner than we did uh, in the iron bowl and our defense, I, I mean, I trust our defense to keep the game manageable, at least through the first half. But like if our offense plays as poorly as it did this week, as it did against LSU and Auburn, then our defense isn't going to be able to like, like y'all's offense is better than LSU and Auburn. So our defense right. isn't going to be able to hang, like keep us in the game for four, four whole quarters. So our offense is going to have to show up at some point. Um, right. You know, I, I, I think if Bama wins, it'll be like a 17 to 14 type of game, just like those other two that I've described. And if Georgia wins, you know, it's, it feels a lot more likely that, they just kind of get an early lead and just slow and steady and just kind of build it on and wear our offense down and make us get more desperate and one dimensional. So, um, you know, I'd say as of right now, when we're recording this on Tuesday night, I'm not terribly optimistic and I'm, I've been trying, you know, I've mean, I've known this is coming for a while now. So I've been trying to kind of just keep, you know, keep my hopes down and, you know, just kind of keep a level head about me. I know when I wake up Saturday morning, all that shit will go out the window and I'll be ready to ready to win this thing. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be extremely challenging and I'm excited to see, um, you know, what Saban uh, draws up, especially for the offense to try to get some new looks and just get get a little bit of life. But I'd feel a lot better going into this game if we weren't just kind of like struggling with every team we played in November. You know, it looked like a couple games there after A&M when we beat Mississippi State and then wound up running away from Tennessee. It kind of felt like, okay, like, you know, let's gear up and and be going into this thing full steam ahead. And it's kind of anything but even even when we are rolling off win after win. But yeah, I just I kind of have no clue right now what uh, what to expect. I could see it either way. Yeah, dude. No, I feel like that's that's kind of the hard part about this game is like you can 
to me, you can look up, look at matchups like, oh, you know, Alabama's offensive line, Georgia's defensive line, and be like, okay, Georgia's clearly got the edge. But I also feel like um, something that really happened in, say, like 2018, uh, 2017 was that um, in times where Georgia was the underdog and Georgia's offense was like, oh, you know, the the weak point or wasn't super great, like – I feel like just kind of playing with, yeah, playing with a chip on your shoulder. And the fact that to me, each team's talent composition is fairly even. I feel like that to me is where I'm like, I think Bama, Bama has a ceiling that could be where Georgia's at. You know, I feel like their potential could be, could be a game that is, you know, really close. And I feel like, yeah, I'm curious to see how we play against Alabama's defense from our offense because really our offense has been actually like it's been interesting because, you know, some people are like, oh, it's it, it doesn't get a whole lot of attention. And then um, people will be like, actually, it's extremely efficient. And if you if you take out like, oh, in the fourth quarter, they're literally just running the ball because you already have a 21 point lead like Georgia's offense is really efficient, you know, and so. Uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup, but I do feel like um, we have improved offensively under Todd Munkin since last year. So I, I'm dude. Similarly, I'm curious to see what our, what our offenses kind of do and how, how the defenses respond. Cause I think, you know, the first half is, is one thing, but as we've seen in this game in the past, like the second half adjustments and, and finishing the game is really uh, what's decided it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of your offense, what's the status of Pickens? Cause he played a little bit against tech, right? Yeah. He so, full speed or, I mean, was that, that was his first game back, correct? Yeah. He, so he, he, I think had, timing for me. Yeah. Right. He had a relatively minor ACL tear from what I understand. Like he was running routes back in October. So like he's, mm. he's been coming back. I wouldn't say he's a hundred percent because of, and I'd say that's mainly because he doesn't have like a whole lot of game speed experience. So in terms of like really blocking guy, like he got in for two or three plays against Georgia tech. And honestly, I'd, if Georgia is confident on offense and like, to me, the only reason why I think he actually is going to be a larger contributor is if we're on our heels. Like, I feel like, I feel like Kirby smart has been very tentative with injuries. So I feel like George Pickens is like getting him out there was intentional to make Alabama have to, you know, have to Mm. have to think about his number, have to, he'll be on the field, but I would be surprised if he was like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I see him being a decoy this week. um, Because also if I get it, if it's a close game, you know, just kind of throw everything throw everything you got but if george's offense you know is rolling along okay and you can keep him safe and healthy this game then he's got another month to rest before right. the semifinal. so yep. that's that'll be interesting to see but yeah it wouldn't be surprising if he's mostly as a as a decoy yeah also uh, have you like as far as Brian Robinson, do you expect to see him or do you feel like he's honestly- not really? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've just, I've, you know, seen a couple quotes, you know, he's questionable. I haven't seen anything uh, super convincing one way or the other, but I mean, he pulled a muscle and, you know, even if he does play, I don't know if he'll be 100%. I mean, even right. a 80% B Rob would be great just to give us someone else, uh, you know, but so I, what do you I don't know. Say- I mean, I, I feel I feel awful for him. He's he's a fifth year senior from Tuscaloosa and, you know, he's waited a long time to get his starting reps. You know how much this has to mean to him. But I hope I hope he can play. But if he doesn't, I I wouldn't be surprised. And, you know, Trey Sanders has been waiting a long time for this, too. So I hope regardless of the outcome of the game, I hope he he kind of shines now that he he has the spotlight on him for the truly the first time in like three years with all of his crazy injuries and stuff. So we'll see, but uh, it's, it's sounding like they're more and more kind of getting ready for a, 
one running one scholarship running back committee jeez yeah oh my gosh so yikes yeah Yeah. so we'll see some uh slade bolden in there (laughs) hey i i think i think so because a couple weeks ago you probably saw it but they they were saying he was taking emergency third team reps when it was only b rob and and trey sanders So that would imply that he's now taking emergency second team reps. And outside of that, I don't fucking know, man. Let's just run Bryce. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Uh, just a quick, I guess a little bit on Trey Sanders. I know he was like extremely talented coming out of high school. Um, sounds to me a little bit similar to like Zamir white. He tore two ACLs like back to back after he got to college. And so He's like finally now, I think in his senior year. And of course, um, one of the lead backs for the dogs, but um, has Trey Sanders been running with B. John or yeah, with, is it B. John Robinson? No, that's, that's actually the, the Texas, uh, Texas running oh, back. Yeah. Brian, Brian Robinson. Brian yeah. Robinson. yeah B. Rob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so Trey has been really only getting, sorry, my Microsoft authenticator is going ham on me right now. <laughs> my team's popped up uh, so he has been taking he's been like the third or fourth uh string back most of the year but we've just had guy after guy get hurt so he was i don't know if he started the season as the third string i believe because he got some touches in the miami game i think he actually scored that game just in garbage time but then, uh, yeah, the past couple of weeks since it's it's we've been down to two scholarship players, it's been him and B. Rob. So he still doesn't have many touches. Um, I want to say he only has like maybe like 30 carries for the year. Let me look that up while I'm talking. But yeah, his his freshman year, he had like a season ending. I think he like broke his foot. Um, and then he was supposed to come back and he, his, I guess, medical red shirt freshman year, he got into a really bad car crash and he had to miss the whole season from that. So then this year, so he has 50 carries for 222, 221 yards, averaging four and a half yards per carry with a couple touchdowns. So okay. he is barely, and he only had 30 carries all of last year before he got into that wreck. So he is, you know, good as new as far as, you know, load management goes, but he's, you know, he was so talented coming out of high school and just has had the worst luck. And then even though he might be, you know, a better back in the long run than a couple of these guys ahead of him on the depth chart, he just, he's been hurt so much. He hasn't been able to practice. So he's been kind of passed up. So he's been waiting a long time for an opportunity like this. Um, And, you know, with him decommitting from Georgia and flipping to Alabama, I'm sure both teams are, you know, keeping that in mind and everything. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I I hope, I hope he can do okay. Cause if he doesn't, then it's, it's Slade time. So (laughs) (laughs) that's sweet, baby. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, you got a score prediction as we wrap it up here. Um, yeah, I'd say, uh, as far as, as far as a score prediction, I'd say probably, I'm going to um, go with the dogs. I'm going to say they cover. Um, if the spread is under seven, I'm going to say they cover. I feel like it's they're they're going to want. I feel like Georgia to win, and what I I think will happen is uh, if we can get out to a lead and be up by a touchdown and kind of have the ball in the fourth quarter and try and try and still um, yeah dominate the at least the clock, I feel like Georgia can win by seven. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say something like, I'm going to say maybe, uh, yeah, it could be 27-21, 27-20, something in that range. Um, I feel like Alabama will score. And I think, I think actually, I feel like they'll score um, early. I feel like Alabama is going to come out pretty hot. Um, that's what Georgia's done in past years. And I feel like, our adjustments actually uh and and probably like you said you know i think our depth and our adjustments will help us out towards the end of the game 
hard for me to say, and I'm sure my mind will change uh, yeah. slowly in the tide's favor with every passing day. But for now, I'm thinking like a like a 20, 23, 17 dogs. Bama covered the six and a half. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I know I'll talk myself into it by Saturday, but that's where I'm at oh, right yeah, now. Dude. So. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. No, no, I hear you, man. After a few drinks on Saturday, man, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be real confident. Yeah, but, absolutely. But no, dude, this has definitely been one of the more like as, as jarring and, uh, wretched as it has been to lose to Alabama six times in a row in usually very close fashion. I think, I think it's going to be a good game. And I feel like these, these games at least have like weighed the most, or I've had the most excitement and have felt the most intensity during them. So like, it's going to be a fun one to watch on Saturday, no matter what. Um, and yeah, it'll be, be a good game. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We, uh, we thought we'd be here at the beginning of the season, and here we are. Really the only, like, conference championship game, except for um, – I picked the Pac-12 game correctly. The Utah was a bit of a toss-up, but really the only only Power 5 championship out, outside of that that just has the two teams you would have thought would be here in September because everybody else, it's like, you know, what the hell happened yeah. there? <laughs> who would have thought Michigan, you know? <laughs> like, Michigan, oh my yeah, gosh. yeah. Iowa. Pitt. <laughs> pit and wake <laughs> pit and wake yeah and then oklahoma state and baylor oh, uh, just as everyone had it drawn up but yeah thanks for coming back on the pod uh good luck to your dogs i guess um we'll yeah, yeah. we'll text during or after the game depending on how intense it is and uh yeah we'll see, see you on the other side yeah yes sir dude yes, sir. all right brother thanks man have a good night dude, thanks yeah hopefully uh not too many late nights this week yeah i know <laughs> oh my god yeah. all right man peace all right peace dude thank you to garrett again for coming on the show and discussing the sec game with me uh all right so in addition to the sec game we've got three other football games this weekend that are going to determine the four teams that end up making the playoff uh, in order that they're going to be happening in real time, that is the Big 12 championship, which is Baylor versus Oklahoma State, the SEC game, the American Conference game, which is Cincinnati versus Houston. That's at the same time as Alabama, Georgia, so 3 p.m. Central, and then at nighttime, Michigan, Iowa. So all the other games, even though there's a couple other ones that should be really entertaining, those are really the four that are going to be uh, determine the 14 playoff field on Sunday morning. So we're going to go over all those first and then I'll hit on the other games that don't have playoff implications, but still should be fun to watch for shits and giggles this weekend. <clears throat> so starting with Baylor and Oklahoma state, this is in uh, Cowboys stadium in Dallas, of course, at 11 AM on Saturday morning. So these two teams already played back in October uh, Oklahoma State beat Baylor 24-14 to in Stillwater. Baylor's got some injuries that are pretty concerning. They've got a couple defensive backs that are questionable for the game on Saturday, as well as their starting quarterback, uh, Jerry Bohannon. He got hurt a couple weeks ago against Kansas State, and he is un- un- unknown on if he's going to play. So that'll be a big loss for Baylor if their quarterback can't go. Uh, Oklahoma State's defense is, you know, really their shining gem. It's been overshadowed by Georgia's amazing defense this year, but Oklahoma State ranks second in defensive efficiency, only, uh, only second to the Georgia Bulldogs, of course. But I reckon he's just going to be a game-time decision. Their backup quarterback, Blake Shapin, had to fill in last week. Uh, he's a sophomore. Sounds like they like him pretty well. But, you know, with his limited experience, you can only really expect a kid to do so much against, you know, probably the second-best defense in the country. So Baylor has a tough task set out for them. Uh, they're, they're not going to be making the playoff, even if they get this upset. So if that happened, they would just be opening the door for another team to you know, leapfrog Oklahoma State, but uh, I think the Cowboys should be okay there. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll have that place packed out there in Dallas. It's been a long time since Oklahoma State's been at this point. 
Uh, Oklahoma State's a five and a half point favorite in that game. Over under is forty six and a half. <clears throat> and again, that's at eleven a.m. So that'll be the pretty much standalone good game there in the morning. Um, at the same time as Alabama Georgia, we have Cincinnati and Houston. Uh, Cincinnati's a ten and a half point favorite in that game. Over under is fifty four. It's at three p.m. in historic Nippert Stadium. So that's something that's unique about the American Conference as opposed to all the other ones that are going to be happening this weekend. Uh, Cincinnati is actually hosting that game in their home stadium, so that will be a massive, massive advantage for them as opposed to having to play in a neutral site, you know, neutral site field where it could be, you know, close to 50-50 depending on where it is. So Cincinnati, they obviously have to win this game to get in the playoff. Uh, We'll talk more about scenarios where they get in or not um, overall, but you probably know a good bit about Cincinnati by now, so we'll kind of touch on Houston since I don't think I've really talked about them at all this year. Their defense is very, very good. Um, they Houston's 11-1, and one, so they are certainly no slouch. That only loss came to Texas Tech all the way back in week one on September 4th. Ever since then, they're riding an 11-game winning streak into this conference championship game, uh, including four straight double-digit wins in the month of November. Granted, not against very good competition, but nonetheless. So even if, if Houston didn't lose that game to Texas Tech, which I'm sure they're, they've been kicking themselves all season about since Texas Tech, you know, if they played now, I think Houston would probably win that ball game. But um, if they didn't win that, then they could be in Cincinnati's spot fighting for a playoff spot as well. But I'm sure they're excited to be playing the role of a potential spoiler for their in-conference foe. Um, so that, you know, that should be a good one. T- Cincinnati's a 10.5 point favorite. But uh, if Houston keeps it in there, maybe keeps it low scoring, it'll be interesting to see how Cincinnati plays in the second half with everything that's on the line. Last and certainly not least of all of the playoff-relevant conference championship games, uh, 7 p.m. in Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, we have uh, Michigan and Iowa playing for the Big Ten Championship, just as everyone expected before the season. Michigan's a 10.5-point favorite. Over-under there is 13. No, just kidding, 43.5, but still, uh, (laughs) you know, how does Michigan respond after beating Ohio State for the first time since all of their players were in middle school practically. Um, It was such an emotional win, hard fought. You have to imagine they pulled all the tricks out of the bag. Uh, They had probably been saving a lot of stuff up for that game. Now it's all out there, I would would assume, uh, because, you know, if they don't get past Ohio State, they're obviously not playing this weekend. In Iowa, they started off, you know, number two, I think, in that first playoff ranking. Or maybe it was AP, I don't remember. But either way, they have taken a uh, fast fall. And it's surprising that they even, even though they were that high in the uh, in the standings, uh, you know, midway through the season, it was surprising that they even got to this point because they had to win a uh 15-point comeback against Nebraska, even though that's just been the norm this year, and Wisconsin losing uh, to a underdog Minnesota team. So Iowa had a little help from their Badger friends to get here in the first place. You know, they're probably just going to try to make this just ugly as hell, physical, you know, right there with Michigan. Uh, These are two pretty similar teams. I think Michigan's just, you know, a little bit more obviously battle-proven and athletic than Iowa is. Um, but it'll be interesting if, you know, if it's a low scoring game, like, you know, the Vegas obviously thinks it will be with a total only at 43 and a half. How does Michigan respond after their big, uh, emotional victory last weekend, knowing for them and especially their head coach, who's been through so much, everything that's on the line, you know, Iowa will be playing carefree. They're not going to any significant bowl game. Uh, I guess, well, I guess the Rose Bowl if they win, but still Michigan's in the playoff if they win. So all the pressure's on Michigan here. Um, I expect them to be okay, but if Iowa can muck it up and keep this a low-scoring game, it could get very, very nerve-wracking for Michigan there in the second half. So 
We'll see how they handle the pressure. We see how that we'll see how they handle being a favorite in a big game for like the first time ever. It feels like, um, and you know that's at 7 p.m. in Indianapolis, so it should be a fun one, fun one to watch after all the other action is settled down in the in the afternoon. Couple more quick ones that I want to touch on that aren't necessarily playoff relevant, but still should be fun games. On Friday night, we actually have the Pac-12 Championship. That's at 7 p.m. Central in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, aka the Raiders Roomba. Uh, Oregon plays Utah yet again. They played just two weeks ago in Salt Lake City, and Utah absolutely drug that ass. Utah is still only a two and a half or three point favorite, depending on where you look. The over-under is 59 and a half. Uh, you know, I was surprised to see that this line was only three. Um, I guess Vegas thinks that Oregon's going to bounce back and somehow keep from what happening last time from happening again because Utah just absolutely dominated them in all facets of the ball game. But now that neither team has anything to play for, this is definitely, you know, a little bit less exciting than it could have been if Oregon would have won that first ball game uh, in Salt Lake City a couple weeks ago, then their playoff hopes would still be alive. But if Oregon can keep from getting absolutely bullied out of the stadium, then that'll probably be a pretty good game. Hopefully it's closer than last time because that's about all there is going on on Friday night. I like the Pac-12 does that, though. Um, you know, I mean, I think they're well aware that their ratings wouldn't do well if they were going up against any of these other big games, especially... Now that we have a playoff-relevant game in every morning, afternoon, and evening time slot on Saturday. And they've done this on Friday night in the past, but I like that they moved it to Vegas instead of you know playing it in San Francisco where there would literally be less people than at a Huntsville High game at Milton Frank on a Thursday night. But um, it should be a cool scene in the stadium. You know the Utah fans will go and pack it out. That's not that far from them. Um, but... I'm excited for that one, you know, even if it isn't as exciting as it could have been a couple weeks ago. Uh, at 7 p.m., same time as Michigan-Iowa, uh, we have the ACC Championship, Pittsburgh and Wake. Uh, Pitt is a three-point favorite in this one, and contrary to the other game happening at that time, this should be a high-scoring shootout, probably lots of craziness happening. Uh, 72.5 is the total there in Charlotte. Uh, neither of these teams have showed much interest in playing defense this year, but their offenses have been really, really exciting. Of course, Kenny Pickett has been kind of a, you know, second-tier Heisman uh, uh, caliber quarterback, and Wake has had a hell, of a, a hell of an offense on their own. So even though the winner of this uh, will just be going to, I guess, the Orange Bowl, it'll, uh, it'll still be exciting to see which one can come out on top and you know with a total like that if it gets anywhere close to it it should be a really fun high scoring ball game that hopefully lasts a little bit longer than the Michigan Iowa game does so we can catch that at the very end and last but least USC at Cal no this is not Pac-12 championship part two both of these teams were rather pathetic this year but this game got canceled due to COVID uh, a couple weeks ago, so they rescheduled it to today since both teams had already been eliminated from Pac-12 championship contention. Cal is a four-point favorite. Over-under there is 58.5. This will be our very last Pac-12 after dark game of the week. Pour one out. It's been fun. It always is. And I'm glad that we have one stupid, meaningless game uh, left to watch after all of these actually important, great matchups on Saturday. This doesn't start until 10 p.m. Central, so it will truly be kicking off right when all the other action ends from primetime on Saturday night. I have no idea what's going to happen. USC obviously has a... Uh, I mean, their team has not been as good as Cal this year, but... They just got Lincoln Riley in case you didn't hear. So maybe that'll spark a, you know, spark a flame under their ass and come out and play hard. I guess he's coaching in that game. I don't even I don't know. It's just a weird that's a weird <laughs> situation with him showing up uh, with one regular season game left. But yeah, 10 p.m. Central in Berkeley. Let's get weird with that one. All right. Lastly, we'll go over some playoff scenarios uh, to wrap this guy up. Big picture, the ACC and Pac-12 are eliminated, as we've kind of already discussed, uh, the games that actually matter. Now, the playoff rankings just released on Tuesday night. So, really the top six teams that are competing for the four spots, everybody past that, 
is either inactive or essentially eliminated already, regardless of what happens this weekend. So number one, of course, is Georgia. Number two, Michigan, who moved up from number five after beating Ohio State. Number three is Alabama. They stayed put. Number four is Cincinnati. They stayed put. Number five is Oklahoma State, who moved up a couple slots and jumped Notre Dame after their victory in Bedlam. And number six are the Fighting Irish. Out of those top six, Notre Dame is the only team that is not playing this weekend, since, of course, they're so bravely independent and do not have a conference championship game because of that. So... The SEC is really the only only conference that is guaranteed to have at least one team in, and they're the only conference that has the possibility of two teams getting in if Alabama were to win. Uh, the Big 12 and Big 10 are at risk of having nobody in, along with the ACC and Pac-12. If Michigan and Oklahoma State were to lose, then they could essentially forfeit those spots to Cincinnati, Alabama, or Notre Dame. So SEC, the only one guaranteed to get teams in, as I'm sure everyone else in the rest of the country loves to see. So there are five teams uh, where if they win this weekend, they are basically 100% going to be in, um, or I take that back, probably four teams this week uh, win and you're in, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma State, Michigan. I left Cincinnati off of that list because if Alabama wins, Georgia and Alabama both get in, and if Oklahoma State and Michigan both won as they're favored to do so, then there is a world that's going to make it really hard on the playoff committee, or maybe it won't be that hard. Maybe they just leave Cincy out and don't think twice about it, but it's definitely a possibility. Uh, There's only one team, as I've alluded to, where they will be in even if they don't win, and that's Georgia. Uh, that's the benefit of going 12-0 and in a Power 5 conference. Sorry, Cincinnati, but the Bulldogs get the benefit of being able to lose this game, although, like we discussed, they definitely don't want to. They can afford to and still have a ch- shot at the uh, eventual big overall trophy. So it's just a matter of seeding for them. Of course, if they win, they'll be number one. If not, then I assume Alabama would jump to number one and they would put Georgia in the two or three slot so that they wouldn't have an immediate Alabama-Georgia rematch in the semifinals. Notre Dame, uh, like I said, is on the outside looking in. Um, You know, out of all the teams ranked two through five that have one loss, um, Notre Dame has, quote-unquote, the best loss being to Cincinnati, Oklahoma State lost to Iowa State, who turned out not to be very good this year. And Michigan lost to Michigan State, who, while they had a good season, their uh, ass-kicking from Ohio State did not make them look very good um, You know, in all of our recent memory. So Notre Dame, they don't have the game outside looking in, but they do have the quote-unquote best loss. Uh, which, you know, when we really get in the weeds and talking about resumes and everything here... That can, you know, be helpful if you are you have a coin flip type of decision. Some different scenarios here, uh, just for fun, kind of talk about all the different things and combinations that we could see happen. If we have the favorite scenario where uh, in all four games that actually mattered this weekend, all of the betting favorites win, that would be Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati. That would be your playoff. We have the Notre Dame scenario, uh, which I believe they would get in if Georgia won and preferably won, you know, big against Alabama and Baylor won to knock out um, Oklahoma State or Iowa won to knock out Michigan. I think in either of those scenarios... Uh, with the underdog winning in the Big 12 or Big 10 and Georgia winning the SEC, then Notre Dame could catapult into the top four. Uh, The one-team-out scenario, which is kind of what I just discussed, um, what if Alabama, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, and Michigan all win 
then we would have the five teams that I was talking about. I think Cincinnati would get left out in this. Um, Maybe it depends on how some of the games go, but it just feels like it's bound to happen if those games turn out uh, with those results, with them being the group of five team. I'm going to do a poll on Twitter about this here in the next day or two to see what everyone else thinks, although I assume most will agree with me because of the group of five angle of this. The two-loss Alabama making the playoff scenario, what case does this happen? It would definitely have to be a close loss to Georgia, you know, talking a field goal or maybe a touchdown if it were to go like the game did last week, um, not in Alabama's favor. And then as many of Oklahoma State, Michigan, and Cincinnati losing as possible if only one of those teams loses I don't think Alabama would still get in even with a close loss if it's two then that's when I'm going to start really talking myself into it and if it's all three of them somehow then yes I think that Bama almost certainly would be in so it's if one or two of those uh if one or two of those teams don't make it Uh, or don't win on Saturday, and Alabama has a very close, like, nail-biter loss, then it's going to make for a very close nail-biter Sunday morning watching the uh, playoff selections, though. So I will probably be back on Sunday afternoon with a uh, playoff reaction episode as soon as those comes that come out and I have a little time to digest the matchups and everything, possibly settle down whether my team makes it or not, then I will get that out and uh, kind of let you know what it looks like going forward afterwards um, with there being a couple week gap with really only the uh, Army, Navy and Heisman happening the Saturday following this weekend then bowl games get going the weekend after that so a little bit of break I'll take a short pause and then come back the week before bowl games and start to talk about some of those um, some of those smaller smaller matchups before Christmas so thanks for listening everybody have a great weekend and enjoy the conference championship games and uh, we'll talk to you soon bye-bye